Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we're back. You're listening to the Alternative Facts Podcast. Billboard's weekly source of rock and alts, revealing long-form interviews. It's the second episode this season. My name's Chris Payne, and I'm your host. This week's guest is Tonight Alive. That's Disappear, featuring Lynn Gunn off of Tonight Alive's new album called Underworld. I'll actually admit I didn't know a ton about these guys before their new album dropped. I'll put that out there. They were a name I'd seen out there before but didn't really dig into them much, but I picked a good time to jump in. This is their first independently released album it's with Hopeless Records, and it really sounds it. It's loud, it's raw, it's emotional. Coming up, this is me chatting with frontwoman Jenna McDougal and their guitarist Jake Hardy, here from Australia in the Billboard office. We talked about uh, collaborating with Lynn from Paris, who's on the album, Corey Taylor from Slipknot also appears, and how this band, and Jenna especially, feels personally liberated, being free from that major label world. You can hear it in everything from the sound of the music to just looking at the way she's dressing now. So that's what's coming up, and if you like this show, I've got news on new episodes coming up and old ones you might also want to dig back into coming at the end of this episode. But now, here's my talk with Santa Live. Yeah, Tonight Alive. Welcome yeah. to Woo. the Billboard studio. Thanks, Thanks for having guys. us. Yeah, so what is it like um, opening up the year, starting off 2018 with a new album? It's like very appropriate, it feels like. Yeah. We played Unify Gathering, which is a heavy music festival in Australia that our, that our label runs there. And um, it felt like New Year's Day because the record came out and we played a show to, you know, sort of like our, our, um, our community in Australia, our mm. music community. So, yeah, it really feels like day one right now. Yeah, we had a pretty quiet year last year as well, like doing the album and then setting up the release. So it was like mm. coming in pretty hot into the yeah, new year, absolutely. which feels good. Yeah, so after downtime, mm. just jumping in there, getting out, resolutions, resolutions. new year, new me. <laughs> it's, it's a perfect, yeah, it's a perfect yeah, exactly. way to do that. New band. New year, yeah. new yeah. yeah, no, it's real cool. Yeah. What, is, what do you feel like is like the biggest difference in jumping from your lives last year to 
all of a sudden now. Routine. Yeah. Like I feel like a lost human being when I'm in Sydney, when I'm at home. It's just so bizarre. We wrote the record in three months. We recorded it in two months. And then we spent five months setting it up and making videos and artwork and all that kind of stuff and booking tours. So mm. I don't know. I just felt like I was floating in space all of last year and it was really bizarre. I'm really looking forward to being I don't know I just feel like when we're on tour I'm living my purpose every day I'm actually sure. really doing something that matters mm. when I'm when I'm like behind the scenes I just um yeah it's kind of weird like you because you know you're going away it's hard to set up for mm. like can't settle going ever. away mm-hmm. again like so you're constantly on the move so yeah it's it was it was definitely a, a transitional period We'll be in the groove real soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's your fourth album, so like fourth mm. time doing this. And it's good to mm-hmm. hear. It sounds like you guys have acclimated yourselves well to the lifestyle where it seems like you're ready and you feel yeah. like you are kind of your best selves and you're out doing this on the road. Yeah. This is the normal. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. Like we got on the bandwagon like a couple of days ago and it's like just Which sounds back. like a saying. Yeah. Sound, that sounds like a phrase. No, it's sorry. Like we travel on the bandwagon. <laughs> a bandwagon <laughs> is like a, <laughs> it's an RV come bus like yeah. situation. But we jumped on and it was like straight back into like, all right, what do we need? Everyone's picking up everything that we need from shops and everyone's got their own drawers and their bunks and everything. So it's like yeah. moving into your house. I, f- I felt like I was coming home mm. being back on tour. Yeah. yeah. Because I think this is a good opportunity for us to kick back and look back at the start of the band because I'm guessing when you guys first set out on this journey promoting whether it was like, whether the Big Jump was the first album or maybe promoting one of the EPs, you guys were teenagers when you started. So I'm guessing it wasn't that smooth of a lifestyle transition mm. when you first started doing this stuff. It's pretty bizarre. We were very young. Yeah, Really very looking green. back, like some of the first tours that we were on, I would have been 17. Yeah just left high school actually I hadn't left high school for some of what we started out doing like when we were making our first EP I was taking days off school to do it and um that was a I mean that was a real novelty but also became really normal doing stuff like that yeah it was funny because um we were doing a couple of in-stores two days before this and then last night one of the fans brought one of the old all shapes and disguises EPs and we looked inside and there was an old photo of us and we were just like, man, <laughs> what a blast. It was we're like, actually children, really. Yeah, we were so, so young and fresh. Are. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jenna, you said you were 17, still finishing school. Was everyone else in the band around the same age, same uh, boat? We just finished school the, like two years before. So we were pretty fresh out of school as well. We were just working out first graduating jobs. Year? 2008. 2008, yeah. That's the year we started the band. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we were all still working jobs. And then it was kind of like Jen made the decision to like quit school and we all quit our jobs and we were like, all right, let's do this. Like, let's throw everything into it. And then, yeah. We were on a freaking summer holiday for the first couple of years of the band. I mean, it wasn't easy, but it was just like a whirlwind of travel and experience at such a young age and being underage, you know, whether that was 18 from under 18 in Australia or under 21 over here. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, we were always always the babies of of mm-hmm. every tour that we ever jumped on as well. So, yeah. It's weird to think that we're in our mid-twenties and Don't say it. And <laughs> Don't say I don't it. hear it. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Yeah, I'm wondering what did other people around you think, like your peers, like other students, maybe your parents, older friends, what did they think about all you guys just sitting out and doing a band? Because I'm thinking it was probably different than most what everyone else around you was doing. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, we definitely had some troubles with um, just parents in general for us they've always been supportive but it was like especially for Jen's parents like we're like all right 
let's get Jen out of school. And they're like, mm, why? <laughs> and we're like, it's going to yeah. be good. Trust us. And mm. then, yeah, it all kind of just, it was just step from step. And then we kind of kept going. We come from a pretty conventional, like, world. Yeah. We don't, we're not like, we don't come from artistic families and stuff like that. Everyone's just, our parents are super working, yeah. like hardworking people and so all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so we, it's just like a different, it's just a different expression of it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, same thing with people from our schools. I mean, nobody was doing what we were doing. I went to a private girls school mm. and uh, we're definitely like a black sheep in every situation in my life. So I feel like a lot of the time I was either explaining myself or just feeling misunderstood and both of those things have fueled a lot of our music and our connection with our fans is based off that kind of outcast rebellion sure. kind of vibe. When you were just starting out, were there any like older bands, older artists who you kind of looked up to who taught you this lifestyle and who like you kind of learned how to do this from or was it just kind of all on your own? Um, yeah, there was definitely a few. Uh, I, our first two were with, uh, was with FTSK. Oh, and that they was, didn't really teach us. I didn't much. teach us, but it was like, <laughs> it was a, definitely a crash course in Forever touring. Kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry. Forever the Sickest Kids. That was like a crash course in like touring for us. That was our first tour it in the States ever. It was a rough ever. tour. And it's kind of amazing how some bands come over here and they play to theaters and they're already set up and maybe they've made money in other countries that they've brought here and they can travel in a bus. I mean, yeah. we're in a van sleeping, like the van just had all of the... What are the, they called? The, the, the benches. Yeah, benches, yeah. The benches pulled out. We slept, like, all along the back of the van in a row. Yeah. And we were playing club tours. It was completely an undersold tour. Yeah. We didn't get PDs or anything like that. No. We were getting, like, a hot we and ready pizza. Little Caesars spam. hot and readies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> spam and, like, white bread. Yeah. And, um, and, like, tortilla chips and bread. And that was kind of it as a rider. <laughs> didn't get any beer, but... We weren't, a, we weren't 21 anyway, so it didn't really matter. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, we got thrown in the deep end. Yeah, but then it, after like it, that was kind of like, we were coming into that not really knowing. And then every, every tour after that, we kind of, yeah, you pick up bits and pieces. Like then we did the Fearless Friends tour and we made some really good friends on that. And Pierce the Veil was one of the first bands that really, really yeah. like cared for us and mm. looked after their support mm. bands and... They, like, I remember very early on in the tour, they had a group, like, they had a meeting mm. where every band came and they were like, hey, welcome to the tour. And, you know, we thought we were were in trouble. comfortable <laughs> yeah. as possible. Yeah. They were very giving. They yeah. always were they're very generous with their time and with things like alcohol and food and things like mm. that, which, you know, goes a long way when you're on the road. Not that it's important to us, but it's just kind of a gesture thing. And, yeah. um, they were just good people and, and they were they really professional. In, always invited us on the bus and mm. they were like, come hang out. Like, it was just like a really nice, Mm-hmm. family vibe and that was our first tour with mm. um, an Aussie band called Hands Like Houses so it was like the first time we really like met another Aussie band on tour that was doing yeah. what we were doing we had that sense of community for the yeah. first time yeah it was really cool and when you guys take bands out on tour now is that something you feel like you impart on to like pay it forward yeah, yeah definitely. absolutely we totally took that we've model. kind of seen it from both sides of the spectrum mm. we want to be the band that like does really nice things for other bands and makes them feel welcome and comfortable and mm. wanting the whole tour to have a nice and like, family community it's kind of bullshit when like you can't go in not that we we're trying to get in other people's dressing rooms but if it's <laughs> if it's made to be this thing like you can't come in here and like this is a private space and like i don't know i just think it's nice if the door's open and you sure. just mm. you just share and everyone in that way learns how to respect each other's space instead of feeling like there's rules 
and that there's like a hierarchy or anything like that. We never want to have that tone on our tours. Yeah, it, it sets the tone. It sends a message whether you're like going into their dressing room or not. If the doors are open, it creates an atmosphere where everyone feels a little bit more equal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they're welcome. I heard on an Avril Lavigne tour, like, you weren't allowed to look at her in the hallways. Yeah. <laughs> Security would make you that? turn against the wall. Yeah. I, remember, I think it was someone we worked with. Pretty brutal. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a totally different situation, but. Yeah, and I'm thinking, not to, like, really drag Avril, but the there's, like, that viral picture of her doing meet and greet. Yeah. With the hover hands? Yeah. yeah. But I, I, where she's not touching, like, where she's, like, a distance of 12 inches from yeah, all the fans of the I think photos. that was the same tour as but well. But I think yeah. that has to do with like also wanting to like have your own safety. On, for sure. From, so we're, we're, we're joking. It's been if, a wild ride for her. Yeah. Uh, I freaking love Avril. Yeah. She yeah. like she was a huge idol for me. Just got to throw that in there. Even though we just kind of knocked her a little. If you're listening, Avril. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> And when you guys were starting off and going on these early tours, making the EPs, you guys, you guys were all from Sydney, right? Yeah. Pretty uh, much. Maddie's from a couple of hours south in Oladala, which is like a surfy coastal town. Mm-hmm. But it was, he was always, like he lived at my house for like four or five months at a, at a time. He was just coming up and yeah, that was how we would, how we would run things. But and yeah, all from Sydney. Yeah, and then the part of Sydney where you were from, was it more of like a city atmosphere or more suburban? Uh, totally suburban. suburban. Yeah. We're from the western suburbs. Yeah, bro. Does western <laughs> suburbs like translate like in other countries and cities? When you say the west, does it sound bad? Because it's sound the bad west side? The west. Nah. I think it depends on what city you're talking about. Right. Yeah, for I mean, us. It's suburb, like, I mean, suburbs is always going to have... Yeah. A connotation to it. I just wonder how much that translates because, like, the western suburbs of Sydney is just super spread out, yeah, not built up, like, and like the accent gets a bit thicker, and yeah, there's a lot like there's slang and stuff that's only from Western Sydney. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, I'm <laughs> really not be in it now. <laughs> well, let's see if it comes up naturally. Yeah, I remember. We'll one, let our guards down. One time, I did a podcast with Courtney Barnett, and she was telling cool. me about like Australian slang, and it was like a word for townies. It's like bogans. Yeah, bogans. Oh, yeah. Bogans. Yeah, exactly. yeah, see, I don't know townies. Yeah, is that okay. an American thing? It's like bogans. Yeah, it's it's American. Is that like yeah. a Boston thing? The word townie. I think yeah. it's from what I know. It's just all around America. Everyone okay. says that. Yeah, no. I guess because yeah. I only ever compared it to redneck. Yeah, it's similar. All right. Similar. But we're yeah, okay. Yeah, so the further out west you get, the more bogan it gets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, sure. sorry, mum and dad. There's <laughs> different, you know, just the, the way you dress starts to change. The tattoos start to change yeah. and be in different places, okay. and the, the cars that yeah. people drive change, and yeah, the accent once again. Yeah. What was the scene of music like where you came from? When we came up, it was it was really cool. We had a really cool vibe. Like there was a lot of youth centers, and it was like it was on the tail end of like the hardcore scene. Mm. So there was a like we had this place called the Den out the oh. back of Castle Towers, and that was like it's every Thursday bombs. night, every hardcore band would play there, and it was like even if every band played the same week, like you'd still go down, and everyone would just like mosh and yeah. and hang out and smoke ciggies and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was, uh, but then we also had like a place called Hype, which was like our our central, like our hub for for music back then, because there was nothing really else for us. There were bands that would sell out Hype, which would probably only fit two hundred people in it. Do you think? Yeah, maybe if that. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But I mean, that's heaps when you're you're 
teenagers that are still in high school that are playing shows on the weekend. Um, and bands would sell it out and there'd be a line around the corner yeah. like to, to try and get in. And even the outside of Hype was like this whole outdoor area where, again, like people would smoke and yeah. all the rest of that kind of thing. They had their own festival called Hype Fest as well, which was cool. I think we played one of our first shows at a Hype Fest. But I guess, yeah, exactly, we did. The The scene was pretty, it was pretty tight, but it was also a bit competitive because it's a small world. Yeah. But um, there were so many bands back then. But, the, like, within the first couple of years of us being a band, like, everyone was quitting. Mm. Everyone was, like, turning in. I don't know, it was just couple getting harder. Of, a couple of bands did stick through it. Like, we played Unify uh, a couple of days ago, and there was a couple of bands that we came up with through Hype from Western Sydney. And it was just, like, it was crazy to see, like, everyone back together, like, ten years later. It was really cool. Yeah. yeah. Class reunion. Yeah, pretty Tenure much. Reunion. Yeah. <laughs> How did you guys first get noticed? Was there one thing that really broke it? Uh, I think when we put we started putting demos up on MySpace, we started getting a little bit of traction. Like we started getting noticed by other bands, and I think that was that was the small step. I really don't know how like Paul from Sony found us, but mm. I think we already had our EP out. And yeah. um, Paul Harris worked for Sony in England and noticed us in a way through, maybe it's through Brett Murray here, our yeah, booking agent. Booking agent yeah. Anyway, he came out and flew out to, to Sydney to a show that we like played in a hall, like a community centre yeah. hall, like super huge space with no one in it. Yeah, and he came and scouted well. us. Yeah, we were only two years into being a band at that time. Mm. And yeah, and, and that, that, that next year we signed... Or yeah. later that year, we signed a Sony. Later that year, and then after Late that, like we went over to LA and did the record, and it was kind of like it, it all just kind of spitballed after that. Yeah. So, it, and you're on your fourth album though. So, so it sounds like it has been really like a full time thing with really no breaks in between. No, no, no breaks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no breaks. Like last year is actually the most quiet year we've had, even though it was hectic. Yeah, there we was went still through a lot. lot last year. Making the record is a huge process like such a condensed period of time whereas usually we would write over about a year or two years and then slowly like put a record together we just smashed it out in one year so that's the it's it was a busy year but it's also the most quiet like not behind the scenes mm. and before that it sounds like you probably would have been writing on the road a lot yeah that's right yeah that was it was interesting like we i didn't like it to be honest it was hard trying to write in the hallway of the bus or you know, um, yeah, they would put up a sign like in the bus, in the like we had like a little front lounge in the UK, and there'd be a sign like a recording in process kind of thing, and that was when they were tracking out demos and, and putting the songs together. It was a lot of pressure. It was hard doing that. Yeah, because you're trying to like you're trying to have your head screwed on, and then do a meet and greet, and then a sound check, and play a show, and trying to write songs around that isn't like the chillest. Mm. It's a lot of different mind spaces to jump between in just a, a little bit of time throughout a day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was cool doing three months writing Underworld at my house. We set up a studio in the in like this back room of my house and just wrote every day. And we, we treated it like we weren't going to work, we we're going to play. But like every day we went out to the shed and wrote. And it was hot. It was summer. And there was, do you have cicadas here? Oh, yeah, cicadas. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just... <laughs> They were just going off, like, yeah. and we didn't have air conditioning, and you can hear the cicadas in the background of our demos for Underworld. Yeah, oh God, that just takes me back, because, like, living in the city, you don't hear that anymore, but growing up in the suburbs where I did, 
every August, like late in the day, just hearing that that chirping sound of like all the mm-hmm. like, all of them in the trees. Yeah, it's full on. takes me back. I like it though. Yeah, it's kind of like the sound of flip flops. Which, by the way, we call thongs. I don't. I only say flip flops for you guys. Yeah, I was like, what? I, I, I've heard about what that. Was that. But like, I love the sound of them hitting in the back of your feet, <laughs> okay. when, especially after winter, and you haven't heard that for months. Mm-hmm. And it comes back. And you're like, yeah, it's, it's summertime. Like the, like the smell of sunscreen. Yeah. Yeah. Back it. Yeah. Kind of all those like things in the background of summer, those things that seem so far away right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you guys in Australia, it's summer right now. We just like came from summer. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So we literally got like just like yanked out of summer and dumped into winter. So. <laughs> um, good verbs. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yanked and dumped. <laughs> when you say it separately, dumped sounds kind of bad. <laughs> So now that it's out, what does it feel like to have Underworld finally released out into the world for people to hear all this? Man, I just I've just been ready for this. I feel like people are like, have you been scared? Are you anxious? Are you hesitant to be showing so much of yourself? Blah blah blah. I'm like, not at all. Like I'm not afraid of anything. I told the truth in every instance, and like I'm becoming more and more comfortable with that. I don't have anything to hide, and and it feels really genuine and feels like the best thing that uh, we've ever created and mm. that I, I feel like I've ever been a part of. So it's the most true and authentic expression of myself. So that really teaches me every day to stay in that mode mm-hmm. and to continue that authentic, honest um, path. So, yeah, it just feels really good. It, it feels like a resolution in itself, a news resolution. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Back to that New Year's theme. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bring it back around. I mean, it, yeah, in all seriousness, it does fit in with, with what would go into a New Year's resolution, like being your best self. Yeah, that actually is my resolution yeah. pretty much. Mindsets you want you want to take on, positive traits you want to have throughout the year. Mm. Yeah, because like the title, Underworld, that comes from like taking all these like demons out and these things that you want to just like get out of yourself and put out there Mm -hmm. exercise the demons like Mm -hmm. that's where the title came from right yeah um underworld is kind of like a spiritual realm that's within you that uh, i wanted to to make physical i wanted to describe it in this in the title track my underworld i wanted i wanted to describe it as a place that you actually go to and you do your shadow work and shadow work is looking at your um dark side and your dark side is really all the all the parts of you that you've neglected, shunned, abandoned, um, things that you're ashamed of, things that you're traumatized by, anything that you've ever ignored and wished just didn't happen and didn't deal with. Essentially, it's all your unfinished business. So going to the underworld is doing the shadow work. And uh, I forget what your question was pretty much. But yeah, I, I even in, uh, gosh, what song is it? The other, I say, now that I'm dancing with my demons, I'm making everybody nervous. Is that mm-hmm. in the other? I think so. Um so yeah, and it's just about that power of once you actually use that as fuel and not sweep it under a rug, like you have your whole life, it becomes a very powerful tool. Yeah. Like what experiences and what emotions do you think you've spoken about in this album that you've never put out there before? 
Gee, I mean, going back to the other again, that's a song about always relating to being, like I, I think of it as when you're doing a, a form and it's like maybe you, you have female, male, other or something like that. I just, not that that necessarily relates to me, but I, I wanted to reference that for people, whether that's in terms of gender, sexuality, maybe like on the racial like topic, just anything that makes you feel like you're not, what people expect or you're not the first option I mean I just I just really relate to that socially and emotionally mm -hmm. and energetically and just on a real personal level I don't I don't feel like I'm one thing and I find it really difficult to relate even to myself sometimes because I have such an ever-changing opinion and mindset and personality to be honest so I think I'm a different person every day or with <laughs> in every different friendship I'm a different person and it's like really confusing I've never talked about that before. I, I also say um, I see a woman in the mirror, but she's not in my reflection. And that for me is like coming into womanhood and starting to have different thoughts and feelings. But also this like battle that I've had with feminine and masculine expression of myself. I've always worn more masculine clothes and a lot of people have really challenged me on that. I always, through my childhood, had my mum saying like, why can't you dress more like a girl? Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, and I, I always felt like the friend that wasn't the pretty one or the friend that wasn't, I don't know. And, and then going through the whole major label thing was like wanting them, they wanted me to be conventionally beautiful and um, just put forward an image that was more acceptable and digestible for people. Hmm. Whenever I wanted to challenge people with my image, it was always thrown back in my face or I just didn't feel like I could fully enjoy that. So the other, like kind of talks about everything that I just mentioned. And that's the first time I've really sure. had the guts to even look at it myself, let alone say it out loud. Yeah, because when you, when you started to go through that story, my next question was going to be, do you think starting the band and entering that part of your life, asking if you thought being able to like dress less traditionally became easier, but it mm. sounds like it didn't at first, Not or at, at least they first. didn't let it be. Yeah, no, it's definitely something I've become more and more comfortable with. Someone said to me, the more polished our sound became, the less polished my image became, huh. which is really, <laughs> cool really cool because yeah. we did Limitless, which is this super like polished record. And, um, you know, on Warped that year, which was only a couple months after it came out, I was wearing military like costumes and I had a bowl cut with like a number one shave and I was wearing black like army makeup, like smudged all over my face. It's not got anything to do with army actually. It just kind of looked, I just kind of looked like a comic Character, like maybe sealish. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It was just this bizarre, like intense, militant, masculine look, and that was an answer to this like suppressed version of myself that mm. I became because of that record, which was heavily influenced by our label wanting us to have a commercially successful record. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, and then later that year I shaved my head. So it's just been this progression of being like, I want to love myself more, know myself more and be more comfortable with myself. And that I'm so glad I went through that whole journey because I think Underworld would have never happened if I went for all of that. Mm. Yeah, getting to this point now where you feel like both yourself, what you put out to the world, your image, and the sound of the music is just you. It's mm. where it feels like it should be and it's not like being shifted by some outside force. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. No, there's there's no outside influence on this record. Yeah. How freaking cool is that? The only influence there was was like, hey, make the record you want to make and go as nuts as you want. And our, our manager, Mike, said, hey, you're an indie band now. You're an indie label band now. 
make an indie label record. Just do whatever the hell you want. Experiment as much as possible. Yeah, it was kind of weird going through the record because it was like every step of the way we were like we were expecting some kind of input or mm. uh, some kind of opinion from like everyone on the team and it was yeah. nothing coming through and we're like, all right, well, I guess just full steam ahead on this yeah, one. Yeah. Exactly, we had to trust ourselves. Yeah. Which is the best gift they could have given us. Yeah. What did the collaborators bring to the album? Because that's one place where like there would be at least, at least some outside influence because it's people outside the band helping out. So how do you think the collaborators on the album made made it what it is? Collaborators being feature artists or, or whoever. Like I mean, there's two I was going to ask about who I know about who are featured in the track list mm. and anyone else behind the scenes also. Yeah, well, we wrote with um, two friends of ours. Steve Solomon is someone we collaborated with on For You. Steve Solomon was in the sessions for... Power of One on the last record. Um, what else was he there? I Defy. Um, so we collaborated with Steve before. He's an awesome guy. And it's just awesome when you really connect with a songwriter because they just facilitate you. And um, they don't have any motives. They just want a great song. So sometimes that's through discussion. Sometimes that's through you hitting a wall and them saying, hey, how about we take this this route? And it's uh, this really refreshing point of view. So... We worked with Stephen for you and also David Hodges on In My Dreams, The Other. Is that it for this record? With David, we did Human Interaction on the last record and How Does It Feel? Um, and also I Defy and Power of One. So, yeah, David Hodges is a great friend of ours and actually our, our guitarist for Kyle who left the band um, just last year has gone to work with David Hodges in Nashville. Mm -hmm. So he's like a great friend to the band. He also recorded the piano on Looking for Heaven. Mm. So he, he's a, he was a big part of that record too. But um, also just in that really gentle and subtle, like lead from behind kind of way. So I can, I can tell his influence on the songs, but that's only because I know him. I just think he facilitated Tonight Alive. He, he was the, he was the um, songwriter, pianist in Evanescence on the first record. Okay, that, you hear, that I'm very bring familiar me to with life his work. And my yeah. and Piano all those on songs. those songs. He actually left the band before they started touring, but he wrote that record. So he he understands he understands like dark rock. Mm -hmm. And it's just really cool. He's a, he's a beautiful songwriter. And, um yeah, I think that really helped Wack and I with our songwriting just um knowing how to express our vision most clearly. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
And we'll go through the two guest musicians sure. now, the famous, well-known guest musicians. First off, Lynn from Paris mm-hmm. singing on Disappear. How did that get to come together? Well, we toured together in 2014. We both were supporting Mayday Parade across mm-hmm. America and Canada, and it would have been about fall. But I think it was getting closer to winter, actually. It was kind of like November, maybe. It was, yeah. It was freezing. Because we went to Canada, it was freezing. Yeah, cold. it yeah. snowed. But we were both the support bands on that tour. We hardly had any responsibility. So we were just going to secondhand bookstores and finding food and things to do. And we went to Edmonton Mall and like went on roller coasters. And we had Halloween together. We had a Halloween dress-up party. Yeah, and we would sick. watch um, American Horror Story every week on our bandwagon. And the heater would be on and we all have blankets and stuff. So it was kind of like, it felt like school camp with Paris on that tour. It was, like, it was kind of one of their earliest tours. They hadn't even put their first record out. So... It was a really cool time and we've stayed in touch ever since and done festival shows together and seen each other in our hometowns when we would each tour. So we just always wanted to collaborate and that was our first chance we ever got and Disappear came together in half a day. We just wrote in Nashville, like we were in David Hodges' studio so Wack, Lynn and I were just jamming and Disappear happened and we decided collectively, we were like, let's not let this sound like Tonight Alive, let's not let it sound like Paris, let's just mess around and see what we get and we wanted we ended up writing like a song that we wanted to be the soundtrack to a road trip kind of vibe, like a, a getaway song. Okay. And Corey is someone that I got in touch with a couple of years ago. He he started following me on Twitter. I feel weird saying that. It's such a new age like <laughs> friendship starter, but he followed me on Twitter and I was like tripping out. I was like, what the hell does he <laughs> want to know about me? That's just I remember that. too far up. Yeah, that's funny. We would have been in like Seattle. I remember getting the notification. I was like, get out of here. Yeah, she came out. She was like, guys. <laughs> so I, I messaged him and said, I like, I really respect you and your work. And he said, likewise. And I was like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> but anyway, we had, a, we had a little back and forth conversation. That was in 2015. And then um, when we finished... When we finished Underworld, I reached out to him for the first time in all those years and just said, I, I have a song I'd love to hear your voice on. Can I send it to you? There's no pressure whatsoever. He wrote back, I'd love to sing on the record. Send, send me the song. Here's my email. And he just made it so easy. He just mm. was so kind and generous with his time. And um, I even said to him, hey, should we get our managers in touch? Do you want to organize studio time and whatever else, like royalties and whatever? And he goes, no, nah, let's keep them out of it. They'll get in the way. So he just was really chill and, like I said, really giving. And when we met in Sydney a couple months later, I said, he said, thanks so much like, for inviting me to be on the song. It means a lot. And I was like, I don't really know why you accepted the offer. Like, and he said, because I'm a fan. So that just blew my mind. He's a really lovely guy. And I think he brought so much to the song. He, everything you hear is, is, is him. Uh, he didn't do anything the way I wrote it. He totally d- redid the melodies. He wrote the the call and response in the bridge and the co- last chorus. So it's just, yeah, I really appreciate how much he put into the song. It's like he actually really cared about it, which just says so much, yeah. He didn't have to. And again, a track that 
does not sound like Slipknot, a track that yeah. doesn't sound like the other projects of the collaborators. Totally. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is that like mm. everyone saw the track listing, they're like, "What? What is this?" <laughs> True, and I now everyone's of that. coming. They're like. Yeah, it's not a Slipknot song, but I really like it. Dang, I never thought that maybe people thought, oh, it's going to be a heavy song yeah. with Taylor's on it. Especially because it's called, like, My Underworld. My Underworld. Yeah. It's pretty dark. Yeah, but it's a nice little change of pace. Well, my favourite Slipknot song is Vermilion Part 2, which is mm-hmm. the least Slipknotty song of all of their songs. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I do love the heavy stuff, but I, I love that song. It's so tender. He says, he says, um, she's the unrequited dream, the un... Oh, gee, I don't remember, but it was just... It's a heartbreaker, and that's why I sort of fell in love with Corey Taylor's voice. Sure. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what about um? You mentioned Wakayo. Yeah. Saying his name right. Yeah. Was it, was it, yeah Fakayo. So it's like an F, F sound. W H yeah. pronounces an F. He's okay. A, he's, wow. Um, from, guys... He's a native New Zealander. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fakayo. Yeah. That's it. Right, there we go. Nailed it. I'm learning. He'd right be now. proud. Yeah. <laughs> so. Tell me about like his contribution and like with him leaving the band, was it challenging having someone like helping with the writing process and being such a longtime member leaving in the process and going going forward without him? Well, he actually the departure happened when we finished the record. So we wrote the record together, we made it together, and it wasn't until we finished it that he was ready to let it go. But he's been so invested in the band it's not even funny. He's kind of the heart and soul of Tonight Alive. So mm. him leaving is like a really big shift. Mm. But he's in everything that we've ever done and will continue to do. Yeah. He even his the guitar parts sound to me like his soul. They sound like his personality. Sure. So mm. um yeah, it's pretty far out. I mean, this is really just the beginning of him not being here. It it, it all went down i guess in september mm. but um this is the first actual proper this is tour really the first on. like full-length tour that we'll be on without him and the record coming out without him is pretty bizarre <laughs> but like there was a lot of pain you know for him he was on the front line for tonight alive and anything that ever hit us hit him first mm. and hit him the hardest he's so invested in this band and um I don't know he's also a very high achieving guy yeah. so he's a perfectionist so he always wanted mm. everything to be just absolutely perfect. Yeah. And he put his, yeah, like Jen said, his heart and soul into everything that he did. He's so. very much affected by the wins and losses for the band. Yeah, definitely. So him leaving is really like a healthy choice for him and especially being in Nashville and working with David, he's really like ad- ad- advancing, you know, and he's really working on himself, which is super important to someone mm-hmm. like him. That's part of the reason we made a record like Limitless outside of sort of the influence of our label was – he never wanted to do the same thing twice. Mm-hmm. And he he really liked to challenge himself. So he's he's learning to become like a songwriter, engineer, producer right now. And um, he is that. But, yeah, it, it's mm. far out. He's st- he is still with us. Like he messaged us like this really beautiful message uh, in a group chat on album release day. And the sign-off line was, I'll always be with you guys. And mm. so that was like a really touching thing to hear yeah. from him. And because he is always with us, like – like through everything like I wake up every day like especially now that I'm on the bandwagon it's like it's like he's such a big presence and such a big personality mm. that like yeah. you wake up and he would always like like he had this <laughs> weird way of saying my name and like it's just different like he's just mm. it, it is like a like and he was like a he's like a brother to us so mm. it's like a, a yeah it was a, a big, big adjustment big loss and it will be con- it'll continue to be an adjustment mm. but it's pretty cool like that Underworld was his what what's the word for it like 
your final labour of love. Mm. Like he really, he broke his back over that yeah. record. Mm. And I mean, he was in the studio at 8am every day, which might not sound like early to other people, but it's kind of early in yeah, the music that's, world. Yeah, that's early. <laughs> I mean, we would, I would start recording at 1pm. He would get in at eight yeah. and be programming and yeah. rewriting things and yeah on the on the on limitless we outsourced a lot of a lot of the production stuff mm. but on this record he was like I want to do he created everything, everything which is classic whack he's like I want to do everything but and he just nailed it and he he made sure that it was perfect like he got into the studio and it wasn't done until it was. Mm. completely done thing with him though is like everything was always at his own expense he always did things until like he had nothing left yeah and that's kind of like not really a healthy state to be in when you're on the road and when you're around other people and being creative he was always depleting himself for the band Mm. which creates an amazing album and an amazing show and like a really amazing business and all the rest of that behind the scenes but like it broke him Mm. so him leaving the band is the right thing Mm. for him Going forward, what are you guys excited for? Because when this podcast goes live, it'll be about two weeks from now when you guys are in the thick of your North American tour. Mm-hmm. So as far as the tour goes or just personal lives, like things you want to get done, just play people you want to be, people you want to reach, what are, what, what's yeah. ahead for the next yeah, couple weeks? Definitely reconnecting with fans. I mean, we've been without them for so long now. Mm. It's the longest break we've had. I forget how much they affect me. Exactly. You know, like yeah. we played an acoustic show the night before the record came out in Melbourne and um, I was so anxious. I have no idea why. Mm. I, I wasn't nervous that I couldn't sing the parts or anything. I really couldn't put my finger on why I was so unsettled. But once we were out there, I was just like, oh, my God, they give so much. Their hearts are so wide open and so bright for us. And, um, yeah, like I, I don't know if I mentioned, but basically when, yeah, every day that I'm on tour, I feel like I'm living my purpose and, you know, connecting with people and singing about things that really matter to me and believing it and also dancing like a nutcase every day is <laughs> not something everybody makes time for. On and off stage. Yeah. It's on my schedule, you know. I have a schedule for dancing like a nutcase and expressing my soul. I, I get to do that for an hour every day on this tour. Yeah. So I like being in the groove. I really like... Again, routine. That routine is amazing. That's kind of like having a health routine of like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this long of meditation, and I'm gonna do this long of exercise, and whatever like that. When you're on the road, the show is a part of that routine for mm. your health of your mind, body, and soul. So that's what I'm been most looking forward to about being out on the road again. Mm. And just like a busy year as well. We've got a lot of stuff booked in already. So Just get in the flow, you know, like oh, I don't like to get overwhelmed. Like even yeah. on a day like today, sorry for kicking your foot again. <laughs> <laughs> even on a press day or something like that, you've got a whole run sheet. But it's like, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to get obsessed about the hours and the where and the who and the whatever. It's just kind of like be in it and just be present. Just uh, go with the flow. And that's what touring's like for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like what a whole year of touring's going to be like, you know. Yeah, definitely. The record store you're doing the signing at tonight is was like my place when I was a teenager cool. where I would go to signings and see performances and just like go and hang out. Sick. Mm. What's it called? Vintage Vinyl. Yeah. Shout Hell out yeah. to them in Fords, New Jersey. Hell yeah. Yeah, we did one at um, Looney Tunes Records last in night Long in Long Island and it was... Uh, it was awesome. We walked in and there's like vinyls all, all over the, raw, the wall and it had like a <laughs> massive st- like backstory behind the whole the whole From, shop. They were open since 71 or something. Yeah, like and they had like a they had a fire that burnt down a bunch of the store and then they ha- still have some of like the charred guitars hanging up on the wall. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it was awesome. We walked in and we were like this place is sick. Like this is what we would have loved to grow up around. 
Mm. Yeah, so it's great to get into these little in-stores and have like, yeah, everyone's like home base, like Hype was for us. Like everyone just goes there and hangs out and goes and sees acoustic performances and signings and stuff. Yeah, it's really cool to see. Yeah. Mm. So we're really excited to do tonight. It looks uh, looks cool from the outside. We haven't been in- inside yet. We had pretty much jumped off the bus and into an Uber. So, Well, there's, there's a lot of enthusiasm in those teen, well, teen, 20-something, whatever, all ages. There's a lot of enthusiasm in those... New Jersey rock fans who come out to shows, so I'm, New I'm hoping. Pretty sick for yeah, shows. yeah, I'm I'm feeling the energy, the positive Thanks, energy. Thanks, yeah, come on down. <laughs> yeah, come hang out with us. Take a trip down memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> just, just taking that New Jersey transit train from the city down. Catch Uber with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, totally. Is there anything else you guys want to throw out there? Um, I'm pretty stoked with everything we talked about, to be honest. Yeah. I appreciate Same. anybody that listened and I appreciate anybody that picked up the record this week or last week or you plan to or you never heard of us before and yeah. we sound like okay humans. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for giving a damn and making it to if the end like of the podcast with us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you. There it is. Thanks so much for coming by. Thank you, man. Pleasure, man. Yeah, so that is it. That is the show. Thanks so much, to, so much to them for coming by. From what you heard and didn't hear, like my chats with those two before and after the recording, it was really fun. They were just very interesting people, really excited to just be out, putting out a new album, doing promo in America. I had a blast chatting with them. So as we were saying, you know now, they're on tour. The album Underworld is out. Go check out the show. They're touring America very soon as you're hearing this. So, alternative facts this season. Last week we had Jeff Rosenstock. That was the first episode of this season. Go check it out. Plenty of time to get caught up on this season's episodes. Next week, Chris Caraba of Dashboard Confessional. You know him. You loved him. You love him now, hopefully. (laughs) should use present tense. We talked about all sorts of things, going back to him coming of age in the Florida punk hardcore scene. So his new album now, I went over to the Atlantic Records office last week and chatted with him for a while, and uh, that's coming at you next week. Without having to search for the show all the time, you should just subscribe, get it automatically. And while you're there, however you find podcasts, whether it's iTunes or the podcast app on your phone, give us a rating. It helps so much. You probably hear people asking this all the time if you listen to a lot of podcasts, but that's because it really is helpful. Star rating, and just especially just tell us what you think. Give a rating and write in things you like, things you don't like, things you'd love to hear in the future on the show. And you can also get at me on Twitter. The handle is at Pain on a plane. Chris Payne, if you want to just search the name on Twitter. And uh, that's really all I have for you guys. This has been fun. Be at you next week, next Thursday, with Dashboard Confessional. Catch you later. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.